Like, this is my comfort zone. And no matter where you're at spiritually today, no matter where you are with your journey with Jesus, all of us find, like, this is my comfort spot. And the reason we like our comfort zone is because there's no pain when you're in your comfort zone. There's no challenge. You're like, this is comfortable by life. But the thing is, is that nobody really grows in their comfort zone, except you grow complacent in your comfort zone. Resistance bands are giant rubber bands used to stretch muscles and build them stronger. They do what their name implies, provide resistance to pull and activate your muscles. Well, today, Pastor Daniel explains that God wants to help you activate your spiritual life so that you can grow in character and in your walk with Him. And fasting provides the resistance you need to pull you out of your comfort zone and into the abundant life He has for you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 58 as he begins his message, Fasting as Resistance. So when I think of the idea of being part of the resistance or resistance, I only think of one thing, and that's Star Wars. Amen? Amen. I remember as a young kid, I just remember when the Star Wars movies came out, 1977. Can you imagine? It was 1977, the first time you met Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Luke Skywalker. Can you give those guys a hallelujah? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's such a powerful story. I mean, to even think that now some, you know, 40 years later, there's movies coming out every single year, this idea. But if you think about it, When you're dealing with forces of evil, you can either acquiesce or you can resist. That's how it works. But if you think about the main characters in the Star Wars, at least the original Star Wars, what we know now as episodes four, five, and six, you know, you have someone like Princess Leia. She's completely committed to the work of the resistance. There's nothing that's going to deter her. Nothing's going to stop her. She's in it all the way, and she's not going to stop until it's over. But then you have somebody like Han Solo who he's kind of around the resistance. He's just hoping to make money on the resistance. You know, he's like, this is a great business opportunity for me. And so Han Solo's in it for the business opportunities. And then you have someone like Luke Skywalker, at least in the beginning, Luke has this dream about what it's going to be, but he's not really in it yet. What you find over those You know, I don't want to ruin those movies if you've never seen it, but if you've never seen it, your life is already a little ruined because you're missing out. (laughs) I don't really mean that. You love Jesus and Jesus loves you and you're missing out on Star Wars. I'm sorry. You know, Luke's got this, I just want to be a part of it. And by the time he gets into it, everything, he changes because of his part in the resistance. And then, of course, you have somebody like good old-fashioned Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? And, and Obi-Wan had been in the resistance for so long that by the time you meet him in episode four, he's like out of the resistance. He's like, I'm just hiding out. You know, he's like those people who, you know, they love Jesus, but they like, they got a bunker in their backyard filled with spam and they don't talk to anybody because, you know, like Jesus is coming back and I hope he comes. Oh, this is going to be a good message. I'm just feeling it so good right now. But the idea is that Everybody comes to the resistance with 
themselves and where they see themselves in it. And I use this because if you like those movies, you can tease out this thing that I'm giving you because everybody has a different thing that they're grappling with. Everybody on their own journey of life comes to the resistance and makes choices, you know, and the same is true for all of us. And the resistance, we're going to talk about the resistance that God would have us be a part of today. But I realize that everybody comes into it from their own journey, their own backgrounds and fears, their desires for the future. And in the midst of that all coming together, I believe that Jesus calls out to us and says, I want you to be a part of something that will be the hardest thing you've ever been a part of in your life. But if you're willing to step into this, I will reveal myself to you in ways that you could never even imagine. But what happens is, and it's happened throughout the life of the children of Israel, the history of the church, is that in the midst of this resistance, we have a tendency to lose our way. All of us do. Like sheep, we're prone to wander. And so in the midst of that, God has always raised up a prophetic voice. And when we think about a prophet, you know, we commonly think about in churches, someone who foretells the future. If you actually read the Bible, the biblical prophets only give predictive prophecy about one quarter of the time. So only 25% of their job description was telling things in advance of them happening. So what did they do the bulk of their job? Really, the job of a prophet was to call into question the status quo. To say, you're in a comfort zone, and let's call into question your comfort zone, because your comfort zone is keeping you from what God's vision. So they would call into the question the status quo, and then they would give a vision for a more beautiful future. That's what a prophet's job was, is to say, where you are right now might feel comfortable, but it's not all that God has for you. And let me give you a vision for life that is greater than what you're experiencing right now. Now, what's amazing is, is that all of us need that, don't we? Because all of us have a status quo, right? All of us have, like, this is my comfort zone. And no matter where you're at spiritually today, no matter where you are with your journey with Jesus, all of us find, like, this is my comfort spot. And the reason we like our comfort zone is because there's no pain when you're in your comfort zone. There's no challenge. You're like, this is comfortable my life. But the thing is, is that nobody really grows in their comfort zone, except you grow complacent in your comfort zone. Because how many of you ever heard the phrase that if it doesn't kill me, it'll make me stronger, right? You guys heard that. Now, how many of you guys actually like when that's happening? Yeah, none of us. It's like, that's what you say, like, if it doesn't kill me, it's going to make me stronger. But you're really thinking, this might take me out. If it doesn't take you out, and most often it doesn't, what you end up finding is that you grew the most through all the struggle that you went through. I've entitled today's message, Fasting as Resistance, right? The idea, because really what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the idea of fasting and not just denying yourself food, but we're going to talk about fasting and Sabbath. But really what we're going to get at is what is God's real intention in inviting people to not partake of things that are necessary for life to be involved in something greater? And what is going to happen is we're going to see how God says, look, you're doing all these religious things, but I've actually called you to something greater. And these things that you're doing, you're doing them in the wrong way because you're missing out on what's really important. And I think that what God wants to do for each one of us is he's going to call into question us in our comfort zones, all of us. 
But he does that not just so that we feel a little bit uneasier, just we feel destabilized. He does it so that he can show us a more excellent future. Now, I'm going to say this up front because I think it's important, is that prophets were never the most loved people in their culture. You know, most of the prophets got killed for saying the things that they said. They were confronting kings and people in power. And they were saying, what you're doing is not all that God would have. And there's nothing that people dislike more than being challenged. And so I realized that in giving you this kind of upfront codicil to the message that I believe God wants me to be prophetic in our midst by calling into question some stuff that we just do regularly. And my prayer is that you guys won't run me out of town after it's over. But I think as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, what we will see is that Jesus is inviting us into a more glorious future than we would ever chosen for ourselves. Jesus is inviting each one of us into something beyond what we would have ever chosen. But if we say yes to him and simply respond to him, we will experience the true reality of the abundant life in ways that we never would have before. So in order to get at this, open up your Bibles, Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58, we're in this series that we're calling Echoes, these timeless truths that get right into contemporary issues, speaks plainly into a changing world. Now, what's beautiful about this chapter is you can actually say Isaiah 58, it's all about God's pleasure, because you're going to find this idea of this delight or desire or pleasure shows up in verse 2, 3, 13, and 14 over and over again. So this is about what delights God, what pleases God. So Isaiah 58, if you're new to the Bible, I know many of you are. Isaiah is one of the major prophets. That last section in the Old Testament, the Old Testament's right before the New Testament. Isaiah 58 says this in verse 1. It says, cry aloud, Spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you did this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it not to bow down his head like a bullrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes, would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Now, right away, this thing jumps right on in with this idea of cry aloud. It says, spare not, which is saying, I want you to lift up your voice and I don't want you to hold back. Don't spare anything. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Now, a shofar, that's the word in the Hebrew, the shofar's job was to get everyone's attention that they would stop what they're doing and they would be engaged in what's going to happen next. The shofar was either used to assemble the people or to call the people out to battle. So when you heard the sound of the shofar, everybody stopped and was at attention. And really what goes on is the Lord is inviting the prophet Isaiah to speak to the people. And really what Isaiah's message is, is don't play religion. 
don't play religion. See, because everything that we're going to see here is that the children of Israel at the time of the prophet Isaiah, they were very passionate about religion. They were deeply religious people and not religion necessarily in the most negative sense. We use that word religion today very pejoratively. It's like a negative thing. If you've been around church for a while, people say, well, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship, right? And I like that, but it is still a religion, right? It's still a group of people with a faith that is engaging them in life. Now, the beauty is our religion is a relationship, but it's also very, very easy not only in the time of the prophet Isaiah, but today for us to play religion, where we can have all of the trappings of religion, but really miss what is the most important things. What are the big things? See, notice what goes on here. He wants them to cry aloud in the middle of verse one. He says, tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. So God is raising up this prophetic voice through the prophet Isaiah. He's like, I want you to talk to my people about the things that they're getting wrong. The idea of sins, it literally means to miss the mark. And we're so used to missing the mark that we don't really think too much about how huge it is that we miss the mark. But God cares very much because God is perfect and God holds us accountable for our lives. So he wants Isaiah to speak to the people. But before Isaiah begins to tell them their sins, he actually speaks about how actually serious they are about their religion, yet they seek me daily. So this is something that they are very committed. Every single day they're seeking the Lord. And they literally, they're committed. They delight to know the ways of God as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of God. So they are very eager. They're not forsaking the ordinances, the rules that God had given them. They ask me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. So these are people who are spiritual. They want to be in the presence of God. But notice in verse 3, there's a question that betrays their motivations. There's actually two of them here. Notice first, why have we fasted and you have not seen? And then second, why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? So the idea here is that in the midst of their religious activities, they are fasting And they are afflicting their souls. Now, on the Day of Atonement, once a year, the Jewish people were told to afflict their souls. And it was that one day that the that the law set the children of Israel apart and says, I don't want you to eat. This is not a fun festival. This is you don't eat so that you may seek God, that you may ask God for forgiveness. But you notice here what we see about them is that they're fasting because they're fasting to put God in their debt. That's good old-fashioned religion right there. Religion is if I do this, now God, you owe me. So they're like, why have we not eaten and God, you haven't done anything? Now, unfortunately, in our day and age, people don't talk a lot about fasting. Now, of course, if you're into physical fitness, the science community talks all about how intermittent fasting is very, very good for your body. The idea of, we call it breakfast because we're breaking the fast. And so literally science, the research tells you that if you do not eat for an extended period of time, like if you don't eat at after five o'clock and you don't begin to eat again until six in the morning, it gives your entire digestive system and your body a chance to reset itself. It's very good for you. That's why we call breakfast, we're breaking fast. And the only reason we were fasting is because we were sleeping. So you can't eat when you're sleeping, even though if we could do that, I would be all for that, you know? But the idea is that they were doing something that God had invited them into, but they were doing it to make sure that God gave them the things that they wanted. 
So what they're doing is they're complaining. They have a complaining heart here because they're saying, we have fasted and you have not done what you said you were going to do. We have afflicted our souls and you have not taken notice. Now, maybe you've never fasted before, skipped a meal, skipped a day of meals. But have you ever felt that way with God? Like, I go to church. Why didn't I get the job I wanted? Or I began to give or I began to serve why haven't you sent my spouse? See, what that does, that betrays a heart motivation that is so common. And the heart motivation is, is I do this not because God is worthy. I do this to receive. It's God's a vending machine. I put in my service. I put in my financial gift. I put in my time listening to the pastor ramble on and on. And then I get what I want. And what happens is, is, If you don't get what you want in the time that you want it, what do you do? Say, forget this. God isn't real. But the thing is, is God is absolutely real. God just loves you too much to want to feed your flesh and your motivations for seeking God. That's a tough word, isn't it? That maybe the reason we don't receive the things that we want is because what we really want is not God. We just want stuff. We have to look at our most... And see... In the time that this was written, people weren't only fasting on the Day of Atonement once a year. Because fasting is spoken about in the law, they had begun to fast very often on Mondays and Thursdays. There was two fast days every week. That's why when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to them about when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites who get the sad face and they would be sitting on the street corners just being like, oh, well, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm just fasting from the food and I love the Lord. And everyone's like, wow, you're so spiritual. And the Lord's like, you ain't spiritual at all. You're a joke. But it's so easy to be that way. We have to check the motivations that we have and why we do the things that we do. Now, what goes on now is from a very deeply religious people who now in their questioning, their motivations are being revealed, God leads the prophet Isaiah to begin to explain to them what's wrong. And really what it boils down to is the children of Israel confuse rituals with relationship and outward actions with true heart obedience. And I think we do the same thing. This is how you play religion. When you confuse rituals with a relationship and you confuse outward actions with true, true biblical obedience. So look at what he says. In fact, I know you hate when that begins like that. It's like, oh, you got questions. Well, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. That's the end of verse three. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do in this day to make your voice heard on high. Is this the fast that I've chosen? So really what was going on is for the children of Israel... They were not fasting and they weren't working, but they were sending laborers to work and they were exploiting them. It's like, look, oh, you're denying yourself, but really what you're doing is you're not acting in the way of someone who's truly self-denying. Why? Because your life is full of strife and debate. You know, it's funny, when I read those words, as I've gotten older, I mean, kind of growing up the way that I grew up, all Italian in New Jersey, you know, like mixing it up and being, the Bible calls it strife. You can call it being argumentative, or if we want a lesson, I call it being cheeky. 
you know, I begin to realize how much flesh is involved in all of that because it's something that I've lived with my entire life. You know, like always being in someone who's starting a commotion and starting trouble and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's a whole bunch of flesh. And if you're truly self-denying, you don't really want to be that way. You don't want to walk that way. Why? Because all of a sudden, like you ask yourself, is all the strife and all the debate, does it really build anybody up? Are you really interested in loving or just winning an argument or making someone feel dumb? I remember when I first got saved, I was so gifted at the art of sarcasm and literally growing up in new jersey everybody was good at it and it was the kind of an environment where it's like if you showed any weakness everybody would just get at you until they broke you you know like literally that was the kind of environment so if somebody knew you had a hot button that they could press they would press it relentlessly right so you learn very quickly you just like even if it hurts you never tell anybody but then i remember i moved to southern oregon and southern oregon is not new jersey and I remember I, was t- I had a friend and I was giving this girl just such a hard time. And she started to cry, like sobbing. And I remember being like, what's wrong with you? You know, that was what went through my mind. And then she's like, I can't believe you would say that. And I thought we were friends. And I mean, that was so hurtful. And then I remember saying to myself, what's wrong with me? And you just realize that it's like, how can you say you love the Lord and you just love to make someone hurt? Even if that's the way you were raised. I mean, I used to be able to, I used to justify it. Like, that's just the way that I was raised. I mean, like, if you love someone, you give them a hard time until they cry. <laughs> I know it sounds sick, but it was like, that's like how it was. I remember when we got married. My wife, Lynn, is such an amazing woman. And I remember, like, we would go to, my, to see my family and my dad would give Lynn the hardest time about ever. It didn't even matter what it was. And I remember, like, after, like, one of these times, she, we get in the car, she's like, your dad does not like me at all. I mean, he just always give me a hard time. I'm like, no, no, no. That means he likes you. I'm like, you know that other guy who was there? You notice my dad didn't say a word to him, didn't give him a hard time at all? I'm like, yeah, because my dad doesn't like him at all, you know? And she's like, that's really weird. <laughs> And what I didn't realize is that my wife is the smartest person I've ever met as well, because she's right. It's totally weird. So you give a hard time to the people you really care about and the people you don't like you're nice to? It's kind of sick, isn't it? See, this is why you guys need to pray for me more. You know, it's like you just realize, like, this is... But the strife and debate. See, how can we say that we're really religious? How can we not pretend that we're playing religion when we do all this religious stuff like not eat for a whole day and while we're doing it, we're exploiting people. We have debate and we have strife. See, what goes on is that it's real easy to do all this religious outward stuff and really have your heart be all wrong. Jesus is Strife would be a good description of what you see every day on the news or social media. As a culture, we've gotten really good at arguing and undermining with our words and actions. But today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that this isn't what God wants. Isaiah's message to the Israelites can be applied to you. God doesn't want you to do a bunch of religious things, but let your heart be all wrong. Instead, he wants you to genuinely love and serve as an overflow of your relationship with him. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to unpack how God can use fasting to catapult you out of your comfort zone and into the abundant life you were designed for. You'll see how the small decisions you make to let go of your comfort and serve Well, these will build to shape you into someone God can use to change the world. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Echoes. Until then, may God bless.